1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So far in the book of Acts, we've seen Christ ascend to heaven after giving instructions to his apostles. At Pentecost, the promised Holy Spirit descends on the apostles and they declare the gospel so that the people surrounding them each understand despite their language barriers. Further miracles and healings performed through the apostles attest to the message of the gospel. Thousands of people hear of the grace and redemption made possible in Jesus and become followers of Christ. As the book unfolds, the church resiliently shares the gospel and there is unity in the teaching and heart of the followers of Jesus. And now, the continuation of our series through the book of Acts. talking about the story of Stephen, his appearance as they drug him before them, as they questioned him, that when they looked upon Stephen, they saw a face of an angel, they said. This very nonverbal communication was one that pointed to the glory and the power of Christ. As we've looked at the story of Stephen, we see his speech filled with scripture and pointed to the power of Christ. And we talked last week about what happens to us when we're in persecution and when people say things against us. Do we speak the word of God? Do we speak the love of Christ? Do we speak truth? Are we willing to even say things that are controversial in our culture, as Stephen was? And today, as we look at the death of Stephen... We see again that it points to the power of Christ. So I want to begin reading in Acts chapter 7, verse 54. Now when they heard these things, what things? The things that Stephen has spoken of in his speech. When they heard these things, they were enraged. They were enraged and they grounded their teeth at him. <laughs> Imagine a mob surrounding you, and they're enraged, and they're grinding their teeth. You can almost feel the anger and the, the presence of evil. How would you respond? Look at verse 55. But he, talking of Stephen, but he, full of the Holy Spirit. So you see the contradiction? They're full of evil. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The mystery of the Trinity, God forever, one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But here we see evidence of the power of Christ at the right hand, at a position of power. So he sees the glory of God, he sees the power of Christ. Gazing into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said... Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. If you have your outline, I want to start by pointing out that Stephen, Stephen's death 
is a witness to the power of Christ. It not only was a witness, it still is as we read about it. It still witnesses to the power of Christ. And when we look at this death that we're going to see of Stephen, we'll see that as he faced death, that Stephen, point one, he was, point one A, he was full of the Holy Spirit. The only way that we're going to live like Jesus in the face of persecution is by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. How does, how does someone get full of the Holy Spirit? You ask Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, the boss of your life, to forgive you for your sins. You ask for him to send his Spirit to live in you so that you can live as God would want you to live. Now, Christians aren't perfect, but we are being perfected. And we will not reach perfection until heaven, but God's Spirit works in us. Amen? If you're a Christian... How do you live in the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit? You pray for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You read the scripture. You, you um, continue in prayer and obedience by God's power. Amen. He was full of the what? Holy Spirit. He was focused on heaven. He, he, he sees heaven. He sees the glory of God. He sees Jesus at the right hand of God, as we're going to see. He had a heavenly focus. There are people who will say that there are Christians that are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good i don't believe that's true if we really focus on on what's coming in heaven we'll know that we want to live out our life for the glory of god here amen so he was full of the holy spirit b he was focused on heaven c he was focused on the glory of god the glory of god he saw the glory of god it looks different if you evaluate you, what you do, it looks different if you're evaluating based on what's going to glorify God or you're evaluating on what's going to make me comfortable or popular or powerful. Stephen is focused on the glory of God. D, next point, he's focused on the power of Christ. He knows the power of Christ. He sees the power of Christ. He believes in the power of Christ. So, A, he was full of the Holy Spirit. B, he was focused on heaven. C, he was focused on the glory of God. D, he was focused on the power of Christ. And then E, he was forgiving, we're going to see. He had a forgiving spirit. I believe that's connected. I believe the reason he was forgiving in spirit is because of the power of the Holy Spirit and because of where he had his focus. It's continuing to read. Verse 57. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him. They're not even willing to listen. And he's, ah! Stopped their ears and run at him. I don't know if they made that noise. but Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. That means they took stones and threw them at him until... They killed him, right? That's what they're trying to do with the stones. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's important in the story of Acts, right? And a young man named Saul. See, what we're seeing is a movement of the Spirit. Remember in Acts 1, 8, Jesus told them that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And here we see in Stephen the empowering 
of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. And we're going to see how his witness to Saul is going to change Saul's life as we continue to read the book of Acts. I don't know. You can say, well, it didn't really do anything till the road to Damascus. That, that could be. But I believe that this had an impact on Saul's life. I do. And it was a powerful one. And that's why the scripture is telling us that Saul was there watching Stephen get stoned to death. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I think the author Luke, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to see that Stephen was Christ-like in his death. Remember Jesus on the cross, according to the Gospel of Luke. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit, Jesus says to, to the Father. And now Stephen, facing death, says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, verse 60, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Apart from the Holy Spirit, that's not what you're going to shout out when people are stoning you to death, right? And again, it's Christ-like, because Jesus from the cross says what? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, meaning he died. They, they use sleep as a term because they want it to be very clear that his spirit and soul went to be with Jesus. We believe the spirit and soul at death go to be with Jesus, and then there coming a day where we get resurrected bodies. Praise the Lord. We've, we've talked a little about what we see in Stephen and about how his death points to the power of Christ. Now I want to look, point two, uh, Stephen's enemies and their life and what it displays. You see, Stephen's enemies display the need for Christ. When we read this, you say, I, I want to be like Stephen. I don't want to be like his enemies, right? What do we see about his enemies in what we've read so far? We see that they were full of rage. They were full of rage. Do you know people full of rage? They're, they're so bitter and they're so angry, everything gets them upset. Do you think they're happy? Do you think that rage is helping them live out their lives the way they're meant to live them out? I believe that we're created by God to love God and to love other people. Bitterment and rage, you can't live that out, right? They were full of of rage. Second, we see they were closed-minded. They stopped their ears. I don't want to listen. I don't want to hear anything. Right? They couldn't stand against the speech and teaching of Stephen, so they decided just to stone him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be closed-minded. By the way, oftentimes those things go together. Angry people can be very close-minded. Anger in our life is often arrogant. It's not real common to find someone, I don't know if I found somebody whose life is full of anger and also humility. I 
And third, we see that his enemies, they were cruel. Let's, let's continue to read. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. Acts 8, 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation. That means they, they wept over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. People are weeping over what's happening, right? Stephen's killed. Other people are being dragged off to prison. These enemies of Stephen, they need Christ. Do they not? What about Stephen's friends? Stephen's friends demonstrate the hope of Christ. They demonstrate the hope of Christ. They grieved, but not without hope. It's important that we know they did grieve. They weren't like, oh, this is, this is a happy day, Stephen is dead. They truly grieved. I say that because sometimes in Christian circles, we talk, can I, can I call, just call it nonsense? People will say, this, this is a celebration. It's not a memorial service. It's not a funeral. We're just here to rejoice. Yet, yet we rejoice. We can be sorrowful yet rejoicing, can we not? We rejoice that our loved one is in glory, amen? But we weep they're not here with us. That, that's not unscriptural. That's Christian. And we need to be kind and loving and caring to people who are in grief. Amen? Not just give them a platitude. You know, they're in a better place. Yeah, but it hurts today to not have them with us. Dustin Schrammick, who I know personally, lost, he and his wife, Kelly, lost a baby. Painful experience. And he said this, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty, the rule, he means, the rule of God, the sovereignty of God does not remove the pain, it gives the pain purpose. True? We don't grieve like those without hope, but we do grieve. And so did the friends of Stephen. It said they made great lamentation over him. In other words, they wept a lot. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, but we, do, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We grieve, but we do not grieve as those without hope. Next thing I want you to see about Stephen's friends is they were scattered, but not without direction. They weren't without direction. They were scattered, but God was at work even in their scattering. Johnny Erickson Tata and Steve Estes in their book, When God Weeps, which I highly recommend, say this, God hasn't taken his hand off the wheel for 30 seconds. His plans are being accomplished despite, yes, even through these tragedies. 
They are tragedies. He considers them so. He loathes the wickedness and misery and destruction itself. But he has determined to steer what he hates to accomplish what he loves. He has determined to steer what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Isn't that what we saw happen to the cross of Christ? Isn't that what we happen, see in the life of Stephen? Suffering is not a mere side effect, but a means of spreading the gospel at times. Amen? Remember John Piper said that one time I was hearing him speak, and I really grabbed onto that. Sometimes we think, well, you know, suffering, it's just a mere side effect. It's the gospel's going out, and there's a side effect of suffering. But suffering itself is often the means that the, of bringing the gospel to the nations. That's phenomenal. You know, people say, what's the difference about Christianity and the changing of the world that Jesus came to bring is Christianity doesn't advance by going out and spilling other people's blood. It's spread by the willingness of followers of Christ to suffer and let their blood be spilt if necessary so the gospel can go forth. Powerful, right? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So they, they truly were scattered, but they weren't without direction. God would guide them. I want us to also see that they were, point C, they were under attack but not defeated. We want you to come back next week as we talk about Philip's ministry and the conversion of Saul. And it's amazing when we hear this story. Saul is converted to Christianity. He'll end up being empowered by the Holy Spirit to write a large portion of our Bible. And he says in 2 Timothy 4, 17 and 18, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to tell you another story, and then I want to push into who cares. What difference this makes in your life? Why do, you, why do we talk about this? In 1606, a chain of 80 islands in the South Pacific was discovered by Spain. In 1773, Captain James Cook named those islands the New Hebrides. Now they, are, they go by the name of the, Van, the Vanatu, Vanatu. I don't think I said that right. Sorry about that. Um, islands. Vanuatu, 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 is that right? I said it right this morning, I couldn't get it there. But let's move on. Those islands in uh, that period of time were inhabited by cannibals. And the first missionaries sent there were eaten by the cannibals. Imagine that. When they arrived, they are eaten. And John Patton feels a call 
he believes that the martyr's blood points to these islands being claimed for Christ, and he believes he needs to go and spread that message and share the gospel there. And someone who raises up in a church meeting and says, you know, you shouldn't go, it's foolish, you'll die. Here's his response. The person who was most concerned about John going was named Mr. Dixon. And so John Patton says this, Mr. Dixon, you're advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. There to be eaten by worms, I confess to you, that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrected body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. So he says, I, I, ultimately, it doesn't matter to me if I die and get laid in the ground and worms eat me, or if I'm eaten by cannibals, I want to do what God would have me do so that the gospel may go forth. Interesting stories. I encourage you to read his story and what happened. His wife will, will die on the mission field. He loses a child. Uh, he finds the strength of Christ through it all. And as a result of it, today, those islands go from Hawaii. These, these islands are between Hawaii and Australia. The Natu Islands. 94% Christian. 46% evangelical Christian. Did you catch that? Because somebody went and was willing to suffer so the gospel might go forth. Now let's get to who cares. Right? Let me be real honest with you about this. I find oftentimes it's easy to have my life filled with rage. How about you? People criticize what we say, we see in television, they mock what we say, and it's easy to get in a point where we get angry. And we're not full of the Holy Spirit, we're full of bitterness and rage, and we need to repent from that, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, love our enemies, and pray for those who persecute us. True? We also need to be real about our grief, and pray for comfort from the Lord. Christ is powerful. His gospel is powerful. And let me tell you something. If we measure by the wrong things, we're not going to honor Christ the way that we're supposed to honor him. What do I mean by the wrong things? Well... Power. If the church tries to say, what can we do to get more political power? We might not end up reflecting the heart of Christ, right? Who had more power in this circumstance? Earthly, temporary power. Well, Stephen really had more power, but the kind of power that the world deals with, it would appear that the mob had it, right? They kill him. What about popularity? Who was more popular? 
I suspect that some of the crowd thought that they were okay because, look, we all agree Stephen's the, Stephen's the problem here. Remember what Oswald Chambers said? Some of you heard this quote. I say it often. We sometimes think that God is missing the mark because we're too short-sighted to see what he's aiming at. And when the church becomes about popularity and power and not pointing to the glory of God, we lose our way. True? And I wasn't planning on doing this because I wasn't planning on mispronouncing a name of an island that I practiced several times. We have someone going there. But, but here's the reality. We can have a habit of majoring on the marginal. Someday, I don't know, look at the young people around here. Someday, my son may first face persecution like Stephen did. And what he needs is not some glim, perfect speech where we pronounce every word right. What he needs is to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're not building a television show. We're not building an earthly kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom of God. And only in Christ can we find the power to love our enemies and to speak truth when people condemn and ridicule us. It is that power that we stand in. It is that power that we have. It is that power we rejoice in when we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, I pray that you would be with the message. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening.